It is good to worship with you. Uh, I have a personal uh, connection with an Ukrainian family, and this morning uh, I, I read some of these statistics that they shared. 38 hours of no sleep, 12 hours of hiding in a hallway hearing bombs go off nearby, two backpacks for each of the four kids that they could take as they left, 27 hours driving before stopping to sleep one hour at a church, 15 more hours until they got to the border, three more hours of sleeping and waiting at the border, eight hours of later passing the border, four border checkpoints, three nights sleeping in a car, 59 total hours in a car with more to come, unnumbered kind acts from others, and one, one gracious, loving, heavenly Father. And as we hear reports of women and children staying in Ukraine this very moment, taking up weapons to defend themselves, as we hear of not just Ukrainian believers, but Russian believers broken over a world that seems to bring little to no peace, but only conflict and questions. Brothers and sisters, I hope it hits a little different this morning. Because we come here in the midst of great comfort and security. And many of you had the luxury of coming to a warm room, being near family that you love, and enjoying the kind gifts of a heavenly father. So, (laughs) it is good. It is good to worship with you. Because there are many who do not have that luxury and privilege this morning. And brothers and sisters, we've been fleshing out in recent weeks what Pastor James has made clear. He's made it clear in chapter 1. Faithful followers of Christ, they practice true religion by taking action. Namely, he says, by guarding their tongue, caring for others, and living differently from the world. We've seen time and time again in our letter here in James that Christianity was never meant to be a consumer religion. Our shared faith is not simply caught up in a set of doctrines, though it certainly is based on those. Faithful followers of Christ are called to be and called to something deeper than just a collection of ideas, but a life of service, a life of action. So we continue our series in James, Faith in Action, and our sermon title this morning is He Gives More Grace. And I get this directly from verse 6. We'll get to it in a moment. We are coming off the heels of considering a passage last week that set out two ways of wisdom before us, two paths that we could walk down, two roads that produce dramatically different realities in the life of our church and in our personal lives. The way of worldly wisdom that is full of envy and selfishness, which James says is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, or we can choose the way of heavenly wisdom, the wisdom from above that is produced not from human manufacturing and cunning, But heavenly wisdom is produced by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
This heavenly wisdom produces a changed heart, a molding of a character, and an enabling of us to take action and wisely make peace. Well, I wonder which kind of wisdom or path did you venture down this past week? Perhaps you wisely made peace and your character was shaped by Christ to reflect much of what we read in 317 last week. Characteristics like being pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Maybe that's what your life looked like this week. Or maybe you are a man, woman, or child in the midst of your own sanctification. Or considering Christianity, and your week didn't quite go that way. We come to a passage this morning where James continues to flesh out what true religion, holiness, and a relationship to the world looks like. Our main idea, the action that we are being called to in this passage, namely is this. Faithful followers of Christ humbly submit. How does the idea of submission relate to us being unstained from the world, living lives marked by Christ's likeness, living lives marked by love for God and neighbor. Well, James is going to show us, uh, consider with me first, please, the worldly wisdom that is in us. Read with me verses 1 through 3 of chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you (laughs) is it not this that your passions are at war within you you desire and do not have so you murder you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you do not ask (laughs) well you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly Dispended on your passions. Verse 1 starts off in a very similar way to our passage last week in 3.13. With a question that forces us to consider not just the ideas and beliefs that we hold to, but those actions that mark our life. And let's be honest for a moment. Let's answer verse 1 the way we normally would. What causes quarreling and fighting among us? Well, James, let me tell you about my spouse. Let me tell you about my kid. James, if you knew my kids, you would know where fighting and quarreling comes from. Let me tell you about my unreasonable co-worker. Let me tell you about the neighbor who had the audacity to put his fence six inches over my property line. What starts fights? Let me tell you about the errant ideology of those people. That's what starts fights. Let me tell you about the smug fan base in Wisconsin who wears cheese on their heads. You want to know what starts fights? Well, what do we do, brothers and sisters? We often put the blame of our quarrels and fighting on other people. But in our text, in our passage this morning... We see underlying reasons to our fighting and quarreling. Let me focus on two. First, we have passions. Passions. Now, you may have a translation that says your fighting and quarreling comes from desires or evil desires. Or you might have a little note in your Bible that says pleasures. 
James forces us to consider that our greatest problem is not outside of ourselves. But rather, our greatest problem is inside ourselves. This lines up with the worldly wisdom that James introduced to us last week. A heart that has selfishness at its core. What ultimately is the reason for your fractured relationships? Well, you and the person that you're wrestling with at the moment, you have a heart that holds too tightly to your preferences, expectations, and the pleasures of your own personal ideal. Pleasures, it probably is the best translation of this word. Probably the most accurate, but it doesn't quite communicate to our 21st century minds what James is getting at. You see, pleasures in and of themselves are not necessarily wrong. In fact, it has been Christian tradition for years that faithful followers of Christ, why are we here? Well, we are here ultimately. What is our goal? Well, to have pleasure, to know God, to glorify God, and to enjoy Him forever. But verse 2, read it again. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. See, verse 2 frames the nature of our pleasures, of our passions and our desires that cause fractured, fractured relationships. Some examples might be helpful. Here are some desires and pleasures that we have. See, you desire peace, but those kids are playing and laughing too loud and you want to murder. You desire comfort, but the inconvenience of your circumstances brings sharpness and hatred in your words. You desire intimacy and companionship, But God has taken a spouse or given you a life of singleness. And you're angry and bitter. You desire security, but your bank account makes you feel desperate and frustrated. You desire freedom, but work, parents, kids, school, government limits, well, they limit all your autonomy and you're frustrated and angry. See, James continues in verse 2, whether we have good desires or evil desires, when we don't get our way, watch out. We'll murder. We'll harbor hate in our hearts, in our words, in our actions. But notice how he connects it to asking. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. I, I think this can be rightly understood in two ways. First, perhaps we don't have some of our desires and pleasures in life because we fail to ask the people around us. We are far too proud. Is it possible, my friends, that in our earthly relationships we see quarreling and fighting because we fail to ask and communicate our passions, expectations, and pleasures? Do we too often leave it up to a spouse, a kid, a parent, a child, a friend, or a neighbor to figure out what we want and what our desires are? Or do we communicate them? But secondly, and more closely connected to what James is actually saying here, is the idea of prayer to a Heavenly Father. Your desires are not met because you are seeking to manufacture them yourself. May God strip us of pride and self-sufficiency. 
Because how often do we consider our desires and the pleasures of life and fail to take them to the God of this universe? Jesus once said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Brothers and sisters, do we actually believe that? Jesus' words, apart from me, you can do nothing. Is our life marked by taking whatever desires and pleasures we may have and bringing them to the Lord and saying, God, okay, I want this. I desire this. Here's what I'm asking. But give me, God, give me ultimately what you think is best for your glory and for my joy. I'll confess that too often I have it the opposite. Too often I determine what I must have. And then I ask God to co-sign. And that really is what James, I think, is referring to in verse 3. Look at it again. If we do ask, we ask wrongly, elevating our passions inside of our hearts instead of God's best for our life. Saying, God, this is what I want. This is what I need. Right? Cosine. Well, more could be said about passions that we have in us. Passions certainly contribute to the fighting and quarreling that we see. But it's not simply just passions. It's also envy. Look at it with me, please. Verses 4 through 5. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. James suggests that believers are engaging in spiritual adultery. When faithful followers of Christ choose their own passions, their own pleasures, in place of what Jesus says, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, our allegiance to a worldly wisdom and personal desires demonstrates a friendship, loyalty, and a conforming to a world that rejects Christ. How does envy play into this? Well, I want to make a very technical observation about verse 5 that I think will help us. This is a complex and difficult verse, but many would argue, I'm reading out of the ESV, many would argue that my translations and others to it, similar to it, where it says in verse 5, he yearns, at God, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made dwell in in us. Some would argue that that translation is rather inadequate. Some translations will understand even the Spirit in that verse to mean the Holy Spirit. So you might see a capital S in your translation. Both of those are a judgment call on what the verse means, and and it has some holes in it. Here's how many would argue the verse should be read. And we don't find this just in academics, but in translations like the King James or the New King James or the NLT. They argue it should say something like this. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, the spirit he causes to live in us envies intensely. Whose spirit envies intensely? Well, they would argue 
our spirit envies intensely. And there's been a lot written on this, but what does it matter, I wonder? What's the point? How does our spirit envying make a difference? Well, here's how one writer commented on this. Quote, James's point, therefore, is that the scripture rightly testifies that human history is one long story of intense envy and selfish striving, end quote. And this makes sense in light of James's argument that he's been making. Our fighting as an underlying issue, and the underlying issue is selfish desires at war in us, a lack of dependence of God, or even a lack of communication with people around us. We align ourselves more with worldly thinking, and we show ourselves to be enemies of God because we have a spirit, James says, a spirit full of envy. We choose friendship with the world because it often means we get to pursue our worldly and even sinful pleasures. Bitter envy or jealousy was one of the key components we saw last week in what marks worldly wisdom. And we see here in our passage that James doubles down in verse 5. What causes quarrels and fighting? Envious hearts. Worldly wisdom. Well, that sounds bleak, doesn't it? Maybe it smacks a little close to home. Maybe some of you young people would say, well, (laughs) James, he's not capping. He's not lying. Maybe you would consider your own hearts and your own fighting and say, yep, facts. Everything James says rings true. Well, I have good news for you, brothers and sisters. But God. In contrast, yeah, 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 fighting, quarreling, envy, passions, but God. Read verse 6 with me, please. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I wonder. Are you experiencing fighting in your home and in relationships around you? Do you see unmet expectations, passions, and desires in your heart? Is there secret sin in your life that aligns you more with the world? Do you want to murder people who get in the way of your plans and preferences? Is your spirit one that is envying and scheming rather than loving and serving? If it is, that's okay. (laughs) Didn't didn't you read? Did you not read verse 6? But he gives more grace. No matter who you are. No matter what quarreling and fighting you have in your own heart and in the relationships around you. No matter what failures you have experienced, no matter how often you've walked down the path of worldly wisdom and selfish ambition, no matter the hurt that you see at the hands of others, did you hear? He gives more grace. If you're here considering Christianity or you've been a faithful follower of Christ for years, you need not leave before you hear this. There is great grace for you in the gospel of Christ. 
Oh, oh, but, but my sin, it's too much. But I've failed and fought so often. I've sought to control rather than to pray. I've been an enemy of God. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. And this is the gospel. This is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is that the perfect, obedient life of Christ, the sacrificial death he endured on the cross, and the literal, physical resurrection from the grave three days later, he conquered sin and death. It doesn't just punch you a ticket for heaven, and that is wonderful, by the way. But as Paul said in our series in Galatians recently, it is the means. The gospel is the means in which you and I experience the grace of God starting now, now, today. Jesus died to save us from the present evil age, Galatians 1.4 says. And what that means is that Jesus died to save us from the present evil of quarreling and fighting. He died to save us from the present evil of fractured relationships and worldliness and sin on our hearts on a Monday morning. Praise God. He gives more grace. But I need more. I need more, James. My heart is warmed by grace. My heart is warmed by undeserved favor that you've given me in Christ. I'm thankful that when God looks at me, he sees his son Jesus because I'm clinging to Christ. I'm grateful, God, that you're pleased with us and our imperfect performance in the Christian life. I'm doing the best I can. And thank you for grace, but God, I... I need help. I need more. Well, James, our brother, is a kind pastor who doesn't leave us hanging. What counsel would James give us as we seek to be faithful followers of Christ? Would you read with me, please, verses 7 through 12? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? In just a few verses that we read, we were given nine commands. He dropped nine commands on us in just a few verses. And you probably naturally picked up many of them as we read it. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Grieve, mourn, be miserable over sin. 
Turn from laughter to soberness and gloom. Humble yourselves. Do not speak evil. You see, we are given several commands, laws, and requirements. But why? Well, we read that the gospel manifests itself in this way in verse 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, I wonder, who are the truly humble? Who? The truly humble are those who are most shaped by the gospel of Christ. The humble are those who have seen worldly wisdom in them, fighting and quarreling, selfish envy and ambition, and have had their hearts and their minds recalibrated by Christ. The humble have had their proud spirits crushed by the overwhelming grace of God because he gives more grace. But back to the commands. Why? You see, on the basis of the grace of God in our life, Jesus increasing and us decreasing, what should our response be? Faithful followers of Christ humbly, humbly submit to God and his word. Brothers and sisters, we are to take action. We don't simply hear the teachings of God, we obey them. We hear the commands of Scripture, and I know this is crazy and radical and bizarre, but we hear the commands of Scripture and we do them. Crazy, I know. We follow them. We live and leverage our lives in such a way that we look and talk as people who have been given new hearts. We look and talk and live as people who have been given eternal promises starting now. As people that have shaped their decisions and actions, not by how they feel, not by what we think is most deserving in the moment, not by what is most convenient or beneficial to us, but rather we think and live and act by the Spirit of God who guides us as we obey the Word of God for His glory. James is writing to scattered believers who perhaps have forgotten that they are in the world, but not to be of the world. He writes to believers who likely have forgotten that their best life is not this one, but their best life is the next one with him in the celestial city. James is writing to believers who are grasping too tight onto the things of this world and their own pleasures and desires. Fighting and quarreling is the natural outcome of a heart that has lost sight of why we are here, my friends. Why are we here walking on this earth, living the lives that God has given us? Well, plainly, the scriptures teach that we are, we are here to represent a kingdom. We are here to live and talk and commune in such a way that puts Jesus on display. We are here for his glory and not our own. We are here as we submit to his word. So we are given these commands, these nine commands on the basis of grace, as people who've been humbled, as people who are not just commanded, but eager, eager to submit to God's ways because we love him and are grateful for the grace that he's shown. I wonder what might heavenly wisdom look like for you this week? 
if you were to follow these commands in verses 7 through 12, if you were to say, oh, he gives more grace, yes, my heart is shaped by quarreling and fighting and envy and selfishness, but, but he gives more grace and he's changed me. I've seen the glory of Christ and I've been changed. So what would submission, humble submission to these commands look like this week? Perhaps it would look like this. By the Spirit's power in you, devilish, evil, and sinful lust in your life, you turn away from. You resist. Bored teenager. All right, a couple of you looked up. Bored teenager. Draw near to God in prayer, in reading, in being in community, and see God show up. Single adult, cleanse your hands and have integrity in the workplace tomorrow. Angry parent. Okay, I got a lot of faces on that one too. Angry parent. Ask the Lord to purify a heart that perhaps has grown bitter in this season. Older saint, turn your heart to tenderness, mourning, gloom, and prayer for younger generations that you don't understand or like all the time. The proud seeking power and recognition. Be humbled by the grace of God and allow Him to exalt you. Lakewood, do you trust that God knows what is best for us? Regardless of the season of life you find yourself in, does God ultimately know? Does he ultimately know what would best serve you right now? Is he the one that can change hearts? Is he the one that can restore relationships marked by fighting? You see, the gospel not only reconciles us to God, the gospel reconciles us to one another. Do you believe that? Yes. Yes, we do believe that. We may struggle to believe that and trust that in the midst of sin, in the midst of difficult circumstances, in the midst of genuine skepticism and doubt, but we do believe it. If he gives more grace, if he knows what is best, then may the Lord help us to be faithful followers who humbly submit. Because if God knows what is best, we can trust him that when we follow his word, it works out to our benefit. I, I was reading this week, it's called the, oh, I, forgot what it, I forgot what it was called in the first service too. The Spiritual Secret of Hudson Taylor, Missionary to Inland China. And um, let me just share uh, just a snippet from my reading this week. One cannot but be impressed by the urgency of spirit that characterized them. That's Hudson Taylor and his team. 
A great twofold urgency that carried them through every kind of difficulty and trial. There was urgency of love to the Lord Jesus Christ that made them glory in their privilege of knowing him and in the fellowship of his sufferings in a new and deeper way. And there in them was an urgency of his constraining love for the souls of the perishing by whom they were surrounded. We today, we may have more wealth in these days, better education, greater comfort in traveling and in our surroundings, but have we the same spirit of urgency? The deep inward convictions that moved those who went on before us? Have we the same passion of love and personal love for the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we? Brothers and sisters, we do. We do. He gives more grace. So may God enable us this week, tomorrow on a Monday morning, to have a sense of urgency to love God, humbly submit to his ways, and to love the people that he's put in our life. And if you mess up this week, well, you're you're probably going to screw up. I think I might. There's a possibility. If you mess up this week, If your life is marked by worldly wisdom and envy and pleasures inside you, he gives more grace. Jesus fulfilled this passage on your behalf, brothers and sisters. You are saved, redeemed, and kept. Not on your perfect work, but his. And may the perfect work of Christ enable us to lead out this week in love, in action, as we humbly submit and serve others. Would you pray with me that that would be the case? Father, we pray that these would be not just cute things that we say on a Sunday. We pray that it wouldn't simply be a confession, a doctrinal statement, a mental ascension that we make on a Sunday morning where it's safe. But God, would these things be the heartfelt declaration of our life? Would you in your kindness, by your spirit, enable us to behold the glory of Jesus and be changed? To humbly submit to the simple but difficult things you've called us to. God, would you remind us that like the recipients of James's letter, We too are strangers and sojourners and exiles in a land. This is not ultimately our home. So would, in light of human history, recent events, would you help us to hold loosely the comforts of this world, to have urgency to live for you faithfully and to point other people to Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.